As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Glory Hardy is an author coach, trainer, podcaster, and Seattle radio personality. Afternoons on Warm 106.9. In her book, she shares her journey from stay-home mom to single mom to how to navigate the transition. Good morning. Mark Madison here. Welcome to On Books and People. Today, I'm excited about our guest, Lori Ann Hardy. Lori, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, I think I told you, good as gold, right as rain, cool as a cucumber. And because it's the first of the year, I'm working on fit as a fiddle. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, so we have some mutual friends. That's how we met. Right. Carol, who uh, you interviewed on your podcast. Yes. And she gave you my name. She did. And you know my old friend, Patrick Snow. Yes, he was my publishing coach and, uh, and and a good friend. Yeah, he's a great guy. You know, he should probably be a ski instructor with a name like Snow. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's my thought anyway, like a like a guy named Cone who sells ice cream. I mean, you know, should be uh, should match it, the but that's just me. I could be wrong. It just makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what you, so what do you do with Hardy? <laughs> Uh, that's that's a good question. Uh, probably open a hamburger franchise. <laughs> but oh wait, that's been taken. Okay, darn. <laughs> well, all we can do is try. So, how did you get started in radio? Tell us about your backstory. Oh my goodness! When I was a little girl, I had a little transistor radio, and I would listen to it every night going to sleep. And I remember all the Seattle DJs. I don't. I think you grew up here, right, Mark? I did. Kobe McClown, Gary Shannon, uh, Charlie Brown and Ty. Yeah. And I always thought, I want to be a DJ, but there weren't any women. In fact, in that day, there was only Sunshine Sherry's and they drove around the little beetle bug and gave things away. And so when, that. yeah, when FM hit, I heard a woman DJ and I'm like, that is what I'm going to do. <laughs> if she can do it, I can too. That's right. And so I uh, went to broadcast school and I, um, I became a DJ. <laughs> was the broadcast school in downtown Seattle? Yes, it was. Ron Bailey's School of Broadcast. Ron Bailey's School of Broadcasting. Yes, you, you and all your friends can become disc jockeys. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so great. What, a great. what a great story. And so what was your first gig? My first gig was at the um, Christian stations here. They used to be KBIQ yes. and KGNW. Is that K? What? No. 105.3. That's right. And On I was the FM first. Yeah. That's right. I was the first overnight to say, to call it KCMS, your Christian music station. You coined the phrase. 
Well, I got to say it anyway. <laughs> well, and you were playing a lot of Amy Grant back then. Oh, yeah. And she's still my all time favorite. I, you know, on my bucket list before I die, I want to have coffee with Amy Grant. Well, you'd have to go to Tennessee to make that happen, but I'm sure she'd let, let, love to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's That's... been a, a very fun career. I, uh, some of you may have known Joe Michaels. He's that voice of King 5 TV, and he was my first boss, and he encouraged me to go away and come back, and so I did. I went to a small market and, and got to do mornings, and um, that was back in the day of tape recorders, and so I'd send him a tape, and he'd critique me, and uh, then I came back and um, was in Mount Vernon. I got married, had some kids, decided I'm going to walk away from this radio business, but Anyone in radio knows you can't. And so I uh, got back in. I actually wanted to get in to do life coaching and a life coaching show, which I did. But then I ended up at Metro Traffic and was on almost every station in Seattle. And now I'm over at Warm, where I get to uh, not only be in the afternoons, but I do the overnights and I get to do a lot of podcasting, which is so fun, as you know. So fun. See, no one told me I couldn't do this, so I just did. Right? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Actually, I'm the opposite. I was very shy, and people were like, you're going to be a disc jockey, and sort of mocked me in my little hometown. And I was like, oh, you don't tell me no. <laughs> you know, pr proving people wrong, proving the haters wrong is an underutilized reason. Yes. And it, a lot of people won't admit that that's what motivates them or drives them, but that's been a de defining element in my life, my whole life. Really? It sounds like it was for you too. Yeah, it kind of spurs you on. It's almost like, well, then here we go, you know? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, you won't believe this, but when I was gonna, I was playing basketball in college and, and I was doing well in school, but I decided that I wanted to be a disc jockey and join the Air Force. So I took, I took the test and back then I didn't have the voice I have now. And, and they said, well, why don't you, you know, go to school and, you know, go to work on your voice and try it again in a year. And I didn't want to wait. So I joined the air force as an air conditioning refrigeration guy, but that was my dream as a kid was to be a disc jockey. And all these years later, this podcast, I guess, makes, makes that a, a dream come true. It does. And you know what, Matt, this, or Mark <laughs> Matson, um, this is what ticks me off people always tell people what they can't do. And right. I like, as a life coach, I have women that go, I really want to be a nurse, but my teacher said never do anything in math. And it's like, how dare they tell you, you don't have the voice for it because you right. have a, a wonderful voice. Right. And it just shows how sometimes, I don't know if they do it on purpose. They don't maybe mean to be mean, but people are dream dashers. Yes. Uh, absolutely. I read a book called change your voice, change your life by Dr. Morton Cooper. And that book literally changed my life. And the voice you hear now, I used to sound like my sister, you know, <laughs> because she's older and, you know, I spent the most time with her. So it made perfect sense. But yeah, so. <laughs> there is a lot to be said for voice. I mean, have you ever listened to a podcast that the info is great, but you're like, I can't, I can't listen to this. Fingernails on a chalkboard. Yep. I was watching a basketball game last night, Seattle University playing uh, a Texas team, and I, I literally had to turn the sound off because not only was the uh, one of the announcers talking too loud into the microphone and there was feedback, 
like almost oh. every time. But oh. he was so bad as an announcer. I mean, I love basketball and that would be a really fun side gig for me. But I literally couldn't stand it anymore. And so I turned the sound off and enjoyed wow. the rest of the game in silence. Wow, that's so, amazing. Yes, I know exactly what that's like. Yeah. And I love it that you read a book. You you went, okay, well, I'm going to read a book and I'm going to make a difference. And yes. I love that. Well, it's literally how I learned almost everything. I mean, by I, reading I, a book. I and read now you Richard, have a podcast on books. Oh my gosh. And I read a book called The Big Podcast. Oh, how about that? But again, you know, no one told me that I couldn't, so I did. I love it. I read Ricky Lee Jones's biography, her memoir, recently. Uh, oh. probably three months ago and there's one chapter where she literally bought a book on singing and in her car because uh, she was more or less homeless she taught herself to sing reading this book a book I don't know which book it is but yeah and you just say uh, god bless the autodidacts of the world who just say I'm, I want to learn how to do this I love it you know life's too short to not right Oh, that's so true. So speaking of books, what books had an impact on you? My guess it's a long list. So my mom made me read Psycho-Cybernetics. Oh! <laughs> How to win friends and influence people. And I think that had a huge impact on my life. And I was a voracious reader. We had a, uh, we lived in a small town called Green Bank on Woodby Island. And we didn't have a library. We had a bookmobile. And so we, boy, we just would load up every time that bookmobile would come. But I think one of the very impactful books early on I read was Who Moved My Cheese? And that book, I guess it really affirmed who I was because I, you know, in a small town and everyone saying, oh, just get married, have kids, move on, you know, and even I wanted to be a teacher and people said, oh, there's too many teachers. You'll never get a job. Right. And, you know, and it's like, you know, then I thought, you know, this DJ thing, and I would whisper about it because people would, oh, you're going to be a DJ. And so I'd whisper, but I guess whatever, whatever spurred me on, whatever books I had read, I, I decided to do it. And I had read something on doing, it was well before vision boards, but it was find a picture. Well, I couldn't find a picture of a woman DJ. So I found a picture of a woman singer with a microphone and put that yes. on my refrigerator. And yes. it wasn't an easy road. I, I got lots of, in this business, you get a lot of no's. Right. So you took a picture of a woman, put it on your fridge, and that became your number one goal, this, this vision of where you wanted to be. Yes, that I could talk in a microphone <laughs> and be a DJ. Yes. Well, you know, you warmed my heart when you said Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Mall. I have every one of his books. <laughs> and I, I read that book probably five times, but the How to Win Friends literally changed my life. Yeah. And yeah. That, that single book probably had the biggest impact on me in terms of inspiring me to continue to read. Really? I kept you know, it in my service truck when I was a technician. It was my human relations you. Bible. I love it. Now, also Ogmandino. Oh, his first one was greatest. I don't know if his first one, but the greatest salesman in the world. Yes. And I read that every year because it is such a reminder of who, how, you know, that's how I want to show up in this world. I want to be right. somebody that is helping and it just shifts your mindset of, you know, what it means to be of service to people. 
Og wrote his books from 10 at night till two in the morning. I don't know if I knew that. Uh, I heard him speak in the early 90s and oh. he was so good. He was friends with my publisher, Charlie Jones, and uh, they really? were really close friends. Yeah. So, you know, Og's books had a profile. I had all of his books as well. So isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, that is. And, and Zig Ziglar, of course, was a big influence. It really is true. <laughs> you can have everything you want. I mean, everything you want if you just help enough other people get what they want first. Okay. With that, when you talk about voice, isn't it interesting that even people with, you know, maybe not the greatest voices had a great impact. Even like we talk about Jim Rohn all the time. And sometimes it's hard for me to listen to him because of his inflection, oh. but his brilliance. He's so brilliant. <laughs> the content is so powerful. You can get past the, Mr. Yeah. Roan, you've messed up. <laughs> you do such a great impersonation. <laughs> you, you know I've listened to a lot of Jim Rohn. I can hear that. <laughs> he said, Mr. Rohn, where are your goals? Are, do you have them on you? Uh, well, no. Are they at home? Are they anywhere? Well, no. Well, then you've messed up. I mean. <laughs> He was, you know, a farmer from Idaho makes it to Beverly Hills. That I found an audio cassette in a thrift shop in California when my kids were little for $2. And I didn't know who Jim Rohn was. So I plugged it in because we were going to Disneyland. And we listened to it on the way in. And my kids loved him because of his inflection and his, because of his voice, even though it was Isn't unusual. Funny, Yeah, wow. And that's where I got hooked on Jim Rohn. And then, of course, I saw him speak and I bought... Uh, I sat in the front row. I bought, I spent $400. I bought everything that he had, his videos, his audios, all of his books. And I just devoured him for like a year. So many people say he was their mentor, you know, yes. even if they never met him in person. Um, a book I'm reading now that I absolutely love is, have you heard of John Acuff or A-C-U-F-F? Yes, I've heard of him. I haven't read anything by him. So his latest book, I know I've read another one, but this one hit me. It's called, maybe it's the name of it, Soundtracks. Mm. And he's hilarious. And so I like to listen to books on tape because my commute is about 40 minutes. Right. And again, you know, it's like taking those things that people know or that you've learned from others and putting them in a way that other, your average Joe can understand just makes such a huge difference. Well, I love that phrase, the music in your life is the soundtrack of your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really true for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, a song, I mean, I work on Warm 106.9, so we play, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, and you hear a song, it takes you right back. You're like, right I back. know where to I the was first the first kiss, time I heard that. To the uh -huh. first car. Exactly. To the old girlfriend. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's a wonderful quote by John Legend. Uh, in the in the movie Spike Lee's documentary on Michael Jackson off the wall he says a hit song has two qualities it's universal and it's personal Ooh. and I thought that's why music impacts us so much mm -hmm. and that's why stories you know authors like Zig Ziglar and Og Mandino they were in Jim Rohn they were brilliant storytellers yes they mastered the art of storytelling yes and their stories are both universal and personal I remember when I first set out to be a speaker, someone said, whatever is true for you is usually true for others. Right. And I remember initially thinking, yeah, I don't think so. 
but then the more you start to reach out, you find, and you know, when I did all this was before social media, right. people are like, oh, me too. And you're like, oh, I didn't think that would matter to anyone. Yes. I tell a story about my father and it's heart wrenching. And I was in South Dakota a couple of weeks ago and this gentleman, this Native American uh, gentleman who owns a very successful company, he approached me and he, he put his heart, he put his hand on my heart and he said, your story about your father touched me. Oh. and you know wow yeah you that's know, amazing I, I've had people say you made me cry first I was laughing and now you made me cry and I was like yeah sorry <laughs> that's a sign of a good speaker make them laugh and make them cry <laughs> well what are the two masks outside the theater right laughter uh -huh. and crying yeah definitely so and, all this reading led to you writing a book Tell yes Tell us about, and I, and I love the title, uh, did, did not, not see, see that, that coming, coming, Hope for the Single Parent. Well, first of all, why did you write it? So my little tagline is, after three kids and 14 years of marriage, my husband left me for David. And not only that, he took my best tiara and cemented my status as a single parent. And what was important to me is I, I kept trying to write it but I was like going chronologically because I didn't know how to write a book and I'm, I'm not flowery. So I'd be like, we went to the store and then we went to the zoo and then we talked in the car. I mean, <laughs> so, it, you know, but what I learned, I learned a lot from Patrick and how to put together a book and let other people help you. But what I really wanted people to know was how important it was for number one, as a single parent to not think you have to do everything, because you feel judged. So you feel like you have to do everything that both parents would do. And also to never talk badly about the kid's dad in front of them. Or even like, I remember one time I let down a little, I was in my room on the phone. It's when the, you know, phones were on the wall. And I, I said something, I, it wasn't even that bad. It was kind of something to make someone laugh. And my five-year-old heard it in the other room. And fortunately he called me out mm. and I realized, you know, I don't ever want to do that. And we have, we, you know, I know sometimes in divorce, people can't find a way to get along. We found a way we raised our kids. We all love each other. You know, we can all do holidays together. I'm not holidays, but um, we could, but weddings and that type of thing. Right. But I wanted other people to know that I thought, man, if that's a lesson I learned, and if I can help any other single mom in their pain while they're hurting and they want to lash out to just go out to the back 40 and yell it <laughs> away from the kids, then maybe I could have an impact on this world. Mm. So if you could share three things from the book, what would the three things be? As a life coach, asking questions is so important. And one of my favorite stories in the book, and I, when I teach people to become coaches, I share this story. I had just been going to classes to be a coach, and I was learning how to ask questions. And we had my family, the kid's dad and all three kids, we were, we always had horses and we raised the kids on horses and we were down the road at a neighbor's house and they lived on the lake and they had trampoline and four wheelers and of course the lake and you know the kids loved it there and on the way home my middle son was on the horse with me and he said mom I really wish we lived here and in my mom mind I was like well of course they have everything and I can't give you everything right that's where 
I think we go a lot of times and my, uh, my coaches words rang in my brain, ask the question. And I go, what is it about this place that makes you wish you could live here? And he said, see this thing on my belt. He had one of those huge carabiners. And I'm like, where are we going with this? <laughs> and I said, yeah. He said, I could use this on the chain that goes around their gate and everything would be safe. Wow. And I thought I would have missed that had I not been curious and asked questions. And I was so grateful to my coach who taught me that. And I thought if I can help people to be better listeners, to ask questions, even if you think you know where it's going, be curious because it could change a whole relationship. I would have, I could have ridden away going, yeah, my kid, I can't give him everything he wants and he just wants stuff. No, I went away going, my kid wants to keep his neighbors and his friends safe. Right. And so then the other, I think the other one besides the, you know, not talking about your ex is, you know, as single moms, we think we have to do everything. Suddenly we have to take out the garbage, you know, depending on the age of our kids, we can right. enroll them. And as most moms know, sometimes trying to teach the kids to do the chore is way harder work than doing it yourself. But finding what you can let go of, you know, we say with our kids choosing our battles, which I think most of us know that, but also with housework, with with um, you know laundry, it's like, am I going to take the extra half an hour to sort and match all the socks? Is that really important? You know, what is really important? And we all have different levels of you know how we want our house to look and be. But I wanted, I wanted a little more time, and so I let some of those things go. And my daughter to this day wears unmatching socks, and she doesn't care, and it's kind of her signature. Where well, she has another pair just like that at home. Exactly. Whereas my middle son, if they aren't exact matches, he can't wear them. But he had the uh, he had the opportunity to go and look for them rather than me stressing out. And, you know, it's so easy to think, what are people going to think? And you know what? It doesn't matter. What matters is that you love your kids. You're there with them and you find what works for your family and you yeah. let go of all the other stuff because it could make you miserable and you could miss out this. You know, most single moms have to work one or two jobs um, because they don't make as much money now, not always, but most of the time they don't. And so I was always trying to help single moms think of crafts or network marketing or other things they could do at home with their kids to make a little extra money, which would give him that relationship time. Well, and at the heart of what you just shared is asking the question, how important is this really? Yeah. You know, on a scale of one to 10, do I really need to even be doing this? And, if, and is it okay if I don't? Right. And my friend is a hospice nurse. And she says, when she sees people out, they don't regret what they um, did. They regret what they didn't do what they didn't mm -hmm. let go of what they didn't try and you know it's so easy to get caught up in those mundane things that we think are so important that steal from us and yeah. I love it that you connected that asking the question it's like really how important and when we think about it how long are you raising your kids in the scope of things not very long if you look at a pie chart it's a pretty small slice right yeah and and it goes by really fast. Kids are just frost on a windshield. Oh, I like that. See, yeah, I can they tell just you're are. an author. <laughs> you're a writer. <laughs> yeah, six books, you know, a mm -hmm. uh, bunch of ebooks. 
see but here's the thing nobody told me i couldn't and so i just decided that that was what i wanted to do yeah and i bought a typewriter oh. a used typewriter and i started writing on a typewriter back in the early 90s <laughs> that is crazy i, I figured I, think... I had to learn how to type right if i was going to get a computer with a keyboard so i started with a typewriter that's funny. See, I learned how to type in high school, but if I would have had to type on a typewriter, my book, I never would have done it, but I did write it. I hand wrote the whole, wrote the whole thing. Mm. And so then I had to put it on the computer, wow. which, you know, when I advise people now, I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe talk it and then get one of those dragon, uh, where you can translate, you know, um, Ernest Hemingway wrote by hand. Did he? Yeah, he would, he would, have a, a yellow legal pad and five number two pencils and uh i think three cigars and he said <laughs> when the cigars were smoked and the pencils were dull he stopped for the day interesting but he had wow. a sign on his desk it said write as well as you can every day and finish what you start oh i like that that's such great advice for anybody who aspires to be an author and i just tell people look i just wrote three pages a day or one hour whichever came first and i did it at the same time every day until the oh. project was done. Wow, so you had a great system that worked for you. It's so simple. It just isn't yeah. easy, it's hard, but. One of my favorite phrases is reduce it to the ridiculous. And I think often we look at the big, big, big picture, then we just, we, we get paralyzed. We like can't do anything. We're like, oh no, too much. But right. when you look at it, like you said, three pages a day or whatever, it's like, okay, wait, I could, I could do that. Yeah, it's doable. Yeah. Yeah. And what what and you said it earlier. What one person can do, another can. Uh, you know, yeah. Russell Wilson asks a great question. He has a foundation called Why Not You, and his father uh, asked him his senior year at Wisconsin, "Why not you in the NFL? You know, why not you winning a Super Bowl?" And that planted the seed. And so, as parents, as coaches, as teachers, our job is to ask that question: Why not you? Man, I love that. I love that so much. Ugh. And he's such a nice guy. He's like Kevin Costner, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. He's, he's as you would imagine he would be, but you know, you never know until you spend some time with somebody. And I had a good fortune of spending some time with him. And he's just as gentle and as humble as anyone you'll ever meet. I'm and he so has no to cause to be humble. Yeah. Right? Isn't that if anybody's going to be arrogant, it should be him. Yeah. I love that when somebody that you really, really like and care about and, and think highly of turns out to be like a really nice person it's like wow this is so great when colin was 12 and so he's 35 now so you can tell this is an old story we were at the four yeah. seasons in seattle at christmas time and kevin costner was leaving with his girl then girlfriend and now wife and i said hey colin there goes kevin costner let's go say hi to him he said oh i said oh come on puts his pants on the same way we do so I knew he liked golf. So I said, how's your golf game? And oh man, he just lit up like a Christmas tree and he just talked about golf. And then I asked him if he'd read golf's not a game of perfect, uh, by a golf consultant. And he said, no. And, and we chatted and, and then he turned, he interrupted himself because he's a dad and because he's a nice guy. And he turns to my son, Colin and says, Hey kid, you play ball. Aww. And now we're talking about Colin's basketball. And, and then just before he left, because the conversation changed again, he turned to Colin and said, hey, Colin, he remembered his name, which I thought was really cool. He said, keep practicing. Maybe we'll see you on TV one day. Wow. And I thought, 
he didn't have to do that. He's Kevin Costner. Oh my gosh. Right? What a gift to give a kid. What a gift to give a kid. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of gifts, how does somebody get a copy of your book? You can go to amazon.com or you can get a signed copy by going to my webpage, didnotseethatcoming.com. And uh, I'll be happy to sign it and send it to you. And, you know, it, it says hope for the single parent, but it's really a coaching book. You know, it's it, if you're a single parent, it's great, but it works. If you're a parent, it works for, you know, pretty much anything because it teaches us how to ask the questions and how to be curious. So the, your website again, everybody knows Amazon, but your website again, www, you got to put the W's www.didnotseethatcoming.com. Easy to remember. Yeah. And you'll see a picture of the book on the front, which my niece, who's a graphic artist came up with the design and it shows a husband and wife holding hands and then not holding hands and then yeah. looking farther apart and then kids on either side with one mom going now what <laughs> it's like stick people yeah this it's a great cover yeah what else would you add for the now you talked about single moms how about the single dads what advice would you offer you single dads before we run out of time i i think the same thing is be honor honor their mom but also something that a that occurs to me is when we are single parents, dating can really cause some hard, hard things. And so if, if, if you're looking to date, and that, a lot of that depends on the age of your kids, is, you know, just realize it can have an impact. After uh, we split up, I met a, what I thought was a wonderful guy. He, he worked uh, at a really big company. He wanted to take us camping. He he seemed to really love my kids and his neighbors said he was the greatest guy in the world. And um, we got married and I found out and even his neighbors didn't know he was a raging alcoholic and we had to escape from him. And, mm. you know, my kids still have trauma from that to this day. We've done counseling. I always believe in, you know, saying what's real. And, you know, I've, I've apologized and I've, you know, done my work, but it, it's like, think about what's really important. And I love what you said, when you look at the pie of life, it's not that long of a time. And, you know, maybe there's somebody that's just great and it works out, but, you know, to go searching and looking and putting your kids through that, maybe it's not the best thing for them. Maybe you could just hold off for a little while. And I, it doesn't sound like really awful, but, um, you know, because of that, I stayed single. I decided I'm staying single until my kids are grown. Mm. And then I thought, man, you know how old I'm going to be when they're grown? Oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to put them through any more trauma as long as they're in my house. Right. Well, that's really a healthy decision. And I'm sure your kids appreciate that. Uh, so parting advice. One last thing. What would you add? Be curious. I end, I end my overnight show with this statement from Laura Richards, who uh, is a crime analyst. She has a podcast. I say, uh, until next time, be curious, ask questions, and always trust your instincts. Mm, that's good advice. Calvin Coolidge said, I've never listened to my way out of a job. I've never. Oh, that's good. I know. Yeah, I teach active listening. It's something I absolutely believe in. And, and most people, most men are horrible at listening. Women <laughs> are naturally great listeners and, uh, and actually have dialogues where men have monologues. But that's a story for another time. 
Yeah. You Lori, know, thank seems- you. Thank you so much for making the time. You, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that often, you know, when we, we don't listen because we go to advice, we want to solve the problem instead of right. just listening. <laughs> yeah, I literally ask women in the audience, how many of you ladies wish your husband or boyfriend would just listen to you the way your best girlfriend does? And they all raise their hand. <laughs> and then I say, how many of you just wish they would listen and not try to fix it? Just be a sounding board. And they all raise their hand again. And then they'll say, "Ooh, would you mind talking to my husband? I love it. <laughs> You're like, I don't think they'll read the book. <laughs> And yeah, they don't. They'll listen to it, but they won't read it. And like the women in Texas say, bless their hearts. You know? Right. <laughs> that boy's an idiot. Bless his heart. Well, Lori Ann Hardy, thank you so much for making the time. You're the cool breeze in a stuffy room. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been, been a joy. So fun. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans.